I recently came across a, a list of um, the best practical jokes um, that people had ever come across, and, and there was one on there that I thought was really particularly um, funny. This man went out and had these stickers professionally made, you know, uh, I don't know, three or four inches in diameter, a circle. It said new and at the top of it, and then it, it said voice activated, uh, simply say paper towel, please. And he went around to public restrooms and put them on regular paper towel dispensers that were not at all voice activated. And, um, you know, stuck them there and left them. And I couldn't help but to imagine some poor soul standing in a public restroom saying to a machine, paper towel, please, paper towel, please, and, and like nothing coming out at all. Um, it would be a great thing to pull off. Uh, there was another one, 1961 Rose Bowl. Uh, Washington Huskies were playing Minnesota Golden Gophers. And, and a student from Caltech, a school that was never going to get to the Rose Bowl, heard that the, that the Husky cheerleaders had set up this thing in the end zone where thousands of, of fans were going to pull up cards and spell out, like, pro-Husky slogans in the end zone. And they weren't just going to do one of them. They had a dozen of them prepared. So that all these cards and the students would hold them up, and there it would say, you know, go Huskies and, you know, Washington rules, whatever they would say. Um, and so 11 of them came off without a hitch. But somehow the Caltech student had been able to get to the 12th one and changed them all so that when everybody lifted up, this really happened, 1961 Rose Bowl, check it out, lifted up their cards, it said Caltech, exclamation point, right there. The only chance Caltech ever had of making it to the Rose Bowl, and they did it. But probably the one I thought was the, the best um, was this college professor who had this rule that if your phone rang while you were in class, you had to answer it on speakerphone. And so um, there's a video set up of this, you know, so that you can catch all the best parts. Uh, some young woman's um, phone starts to ring, and all the other students, you know, point at her excitedly, you have to answer it on speaker. And so she does. And she puts, pulls out her phone and lays it on the desk, and she answers it on the speakerphone, and she says hello. And um, the, the response came, hi, this is the Pregnancy Resource Center, and we're calling to tell you your results. Congratulations, they're positive. Her face falls, the professor's face, like he's aghast, and he says, oh, you should stop that. Take it in private. And they continue unabated to continue to talk to this young woman. And she hangs up at the end of the call, and he is cringing. And he says, I feel awful. I, I don't know how I could not have anticipated something like that. I, I want to give you a public apology. I'm so, so very sorry. And the young woman looks at him and she says, it's okay. I've been planning this for a while. I've decided that I'm going to name the child April. And her middle name is going to be Fools. <laughs> and it was April. Oh, and he was so relieved. And it was over. What a close call. I, I assume the policy got changed after that day, but I'm not really sure. I mean, a practical joke, it's so great when you can really pull one off, isn't it? You know, on somebody who's totally unexpected. It's, just, it's wonderful. And to see the, the fear and the panic and the shock and then the laughter. Oh, the laughter. You have to have it all, don't you? I mean, you've been in that case where you hoped it was a joke. And it wasn't. And then it was just all the fear, the panic, the shock, and no laughter at all. I mean, it doesn't have to be life and death, but maybe it's life-altering. Um, you know, those cases where I can't believe this really happened. Please tell me this is a joke. 
Luke's gospel, if you read it closely, with that sort of mindset in uh, looking at it, you would, you would see all these instances where you would think that somebody might say, you've got to be kidding, this has got to be a joke. Mary, a young woman in chapter 1, she's, um, she's planning to get married. She, um, she has sort of life plans, I'm sure, that are going on. And an angel appears to her and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Mary's a young woman, what we would call a girl. She's probably only 14 or 15 in the ancient world. And although she may not be streetwise, she's old enough to know where babies come from because she says, how can this be? This is impossible. And, and the, um, the angel says, no, this is from God. I wonder if Mary says, you've got to be joking. This, this has to be a joke, right? This isn't, you're not serious about this, are you? St. Matthew's Gospel, about the same time, we discover that Joseph likewise discovers that his fiancée is pregnant. Matthew tells us that Joseph is gentle and a decent fellow, and he has no desire to disgrace Mary publicly. But he also has no desire to continue a relationship with a young woman that has clearly been unfaithful, and so he wants to end it. And he has a dream. The dream is an angel comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child is pure and so is she. It's the gift of God. And I wonder if Joseph might have been tempted to say, you're joking, right? I mean, you, you're, you're kidding me. Back to Luke's gospel, chapter 2. The government says you have to travel to your ancestral home to register to be taxed. Mary is well into her pregnancy. Do you think the couple said, really? You've got to be joking. I mean, travel that far in this condition? No way. They get to Bethlehem. You know the story. Sorry, the guest room is full, but you can have the, the cattle stall. <laughs> really? This is, you're joking, right? And no sooner are they there in the cattle stall than Mary looks at Joseph and says something in the ancient Near Eastern equivalent of, I think my water just broke. And I wonder if Joseph doesn't look up to the heavens and say, Really? You must be joking. This can't possibly happen this way. Shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night, doing what shepherds do. And here's what Luke says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. In, in Luke's ancient Greek, here's what he says. He says, Fear feared megas. They feared with great fear. They were terrified. This is a, this is a, um, a redundancy for, uh, for emphatic purposes. They were terrified. They were afraid. And the angel says, fear not. For unto you, unto you, not to Mary and Joseph, but to you shepherds, is born this day a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. I think that the shepherds might have asked if they had, you know, where? In, in the temple. Was he born in the temple? Or perhaps in the palace. He is a king after all, a palace in Jerusalem. No. He was born to peasant parents and he's wrapped in rags in a cattle stall. <laughs> Come on, this is laughable. This is not the way to tell this story. There is, you, you must be joking. Sometimes things are so shocking, they've got to be a joke. Sometimes they're just so outrageous. 
But sometimes they're so shocking and so outrageous that they have to be true. Sometimes they're true because there's nobody would tell this story in this way. Nobody would. It's just too outrageous. What is God's plan to rescue the world? What's his plan to put an end to evil, to an end to injustice? What's his plan to bring order and beauty and an end to chaos back into the world? Well, it's a baby born in a cattle stall to Middle Eastern parents. Really? You must be joking. That's his plan. That's the plan to, to set the world back to rights, to make the world the place that God had designed it to be all along. And so maybe the joke's on us, huh? Maybe we have seen the world upside down for so long that we think that wrong is right and that right is wrong. That we think that power really does come from places like Washington and London and Moscow and wherever else in the world you might think power comes from. Not from infants wrapped in bands of cloth lying in a manger. And maybe if we looked hard enough at the way God turns the world upside right, we would see the sort of gifts that he puts right below our noses, right in front of our faces. You know, um, the other night, uh, we, uh, our son got back from Oregon and had been gone, you know, a year. And um, he's with his girlfriend. She came with him. And, and so we went out to eat. And we do what families do when you have, um, you know, new people at the table. Where we tell stories about Christmas's past. And, and we were telling this story about this time where our oldest two sons were six and four, I think they were. And if you grow up in a, in a parsonage, you know, if, you're, if your father's a clergyman, um, here's your first uh, he, superheroes, you know, David and Goliath, you know, and, and all these biblical. And so our boys were drawn to like the shepherd boys, you know, the, the little shepherd boy who beats the giant and, and all this. And, and so naturally you have to dress like shepherds, which means that you wear your bathrobe and you put a pillowcase on your head and you, you take your belt that goes around your waist and you tie the pillowcase on the top, you know. And, um, and they look like little Yasser Arafats running around the house. Um, and, uh, and, and come Christmas Eve, you know, they, this year, they, they wanted to um, make their uh, bedroom into a cave. So they threw a blanket over top of the desk and, and put a little pallet on the floor. And they were going to sleep in there like little shepherds and wait for Christmas morning. And so Abby thought it would be fun to carry this little game a little uh, step further. So about 5 o'clock in the morning, she set her alarm to wake us both up and, um, and, and put on a white alb of mine. Um, and then went into the room, and I've got the video camera. You have to see this someday. And um, so here these are, these two precious little boys, dark night, you know, sound asleep. And she flips on the light and says the words of the angel, Behold, I bring you great news, you know, of, of great joy, of you for all people. And these two little boys, like, freaked out. Um, they thought that we were being robbed or... Um, Something horrible was happening, and they were screaming, and they were covering their heads, and, and we were laughing, and they weren't, you know, and it was, it was just a delightful time. Um, and we're te- I'm telling this story to Helen, and she says to me, and that's the way it really happened. The shepherds were out in the field, and they were terrified. That's right. She's absolutely right. That is exactly the story that God comes to us we're terrified, thinking maybe this is a joke. You know, here's the truth. Right in front of us, right before our very eyes, there is power. There's a plan of God to end war and evil 
in hostility within families and bring people back together, to bring joy and hope and peace and a path of life that brings meaning and redemption and value to every living person. And it's right here, right now, with us. And that is no joke at all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.